Hello and welcome to The Scrum, the podcast we do here at WGBH News about politics and media from Beacon Hill to the Beltway. I'm Adam Riley, and today I'm joined by Mark Peroni, the CEO of Grand Prix Boston, to talk about the great big IndyCar style race that he has planned for the city. Mark, thanks for being here. Adam, thank you so much for the opportunity. I want to start out by asking you if there are any misconceptions about the race that we in the media have or that the general public has that you might want to correct. Is there anything that we've been getting wrong or details that we're erroneously reporting? I think there are a number of issues that I'd like to uh, make sure that the public understands. Uh, we are asking for zero taxpayer dollars. Uh, we've gone and reworked the city license with the mayor and the administration. Uh, we are picking up all of the municipal costs, so there will be no taxpayer dollars. Uh, we keep getting um, reports that the media, there are people out there saying that the city license, which is outdated now, uh, provides for municipal uh, participation. That's not true. Uh, now, when you say city license, you're talking right. about that memorandum of understanding that you guys signed? It's an agreement that we have with the city, a uh, five-year license, uh, and we have a five-year sanctioning agreement with IndyCar. So I think that the other misconceptions, I, I believe, are that uh, we're going to shut roads down for long periods of time. Uh, that's not true. Uh, we will probably on the weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, women's on-track activity. Uh, of course, we don't want uh, um, somebody in their BMW driving along our, uh, our uh, race cars. Uh, and, but there will be uh, access at all times, 24-7 uh, over pedestrian bridges. We'll have five pedestrian bridges. We'll have gates along the 2.2-mile uh, circuit that will open at various times of the day. Uh, our build, another misconception is that we're going to tie up traffic uh, during the day. We build. It's a modular build. And uh, we'll build that uh, in the evening from 8 p.m. to 5 a.m. When you say that building at off-peak hours and, and being flexible in terms of when you're putting up the perimeter will keep traffic from grinding to a halt, it's my sense that if someone hiccups in you know, the TED, that all Boston traffic is ground to a halt for about three hours, or if three flakes of snowfall, everything stops. Even if you're super flexible, can you really build uh, the way you're talking about building and, and conduct that event without having there be secondary consequences on the roads around it? When you uh, come into an urban street event, uh, you, you attempt to do two things. Uh, you try to mitigate the, both the commercial and the residential interruption. I think we've done a very, very good job of engaging all of the businesses on the seaport, well, no, the South Boston waterfront. Uh, seaport Boulevard will stay wide open. Uh, so all of the businesses down there, I think, will be rocking. And uh, they're very, very good partners with us right now. Uh, we'll have concerts at the uh, Blue Hills Bank Pavilion. Uh, we're going to partner with a number of different uh, charities that uh, that will provide some initiatives uh, that will benefit uh, a lot like the playgrounds and uh, uh, handicap access equipment for the playgrounds in the city of Boston. So you're talking about a certain amount of the revenue generated by yes. the event going yeah. to these charities? That's correct. That's correct. Uh, we're heavily involved with the veterans. On Friday uh, of the event, we'll have a, a, a military initiative with uh, Freedom Friday. We'll honor the military and first responders. And uh, our, we'll be announcing a title sponsored soon 
that will purchase between 50 and 100,000 tickets for distribution to the uh, current military uh, families of military uh, veterans and first responders so that they can uh, come to the event and enjoy the, uh, this exciting event that we're bringing to the city of Boston. But let me ask you about the question of community involvement. You were emailed by Mayor Walsh's chief of operations. Mm -hmm. I should say that maybe contrary to some representations in the press, it read to me as a pretty friendly email, collegial, uh, but he did say in that email that the mayor wanted buy-in from the community before this event happened. Mm -hmm. I've heard conflicting reports about what race organizers did to get buy-in from the community before that memorandum of understanding was signed with the city, and I also don't know everything you've been doing since that occurred. So can you tell me, what did you guys do before making that agreement with the city to try to get the neighbors on board, businesses and residents? So we've tried to engage them, uh, and we've done, I think, a pretty good job with an outreach program, a community outreach program, which we started in April, and talking and getting information. And the Memorandum of Understanding, I should know it was signed, it was it May 13th? I believe it was in May. Okay. I'm sure. So you started doing that community outreach program somewhere around a month before. Somewhere in that. In what April. kind of stuff were you guys doing in April of this year? Listening. And uh, listening to concerns, uh, trying to answer questions, try to assure them of how things are uh, going to happen, uh, how they will be affected. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that there's no impact. Yes, there will be impact. Our job is to mitigate that and make people comfortable. We're currently uh, with uh, some of the community uh, trustees of a particular building. We're in negotiations uh, with a mitigation plan. You're so, talking about a particular residential building? Yes. Might this be the seaport lofts that it, you're referring to? It very well might be, yes. Um, so we're, we made an offer in July, actually, um, and now we've gone back and we're in uh, hopefully uh, substantial uh, discussions with them to try to reach an agreement, a mitigation agreement. and. Uh, but I can tell you that we've had... They had, sorry to interrupt, they had, they had hired a retained legal counsel, right, mm -hmm. to try to uh, stop the race a few, mm -hmm. uh, few months back. Am I correct about that? They did hire legal representation. Uh, I think there was a lot of misinformation that uh, went to the legal counsel. Uh, there are some people that have some agendas, as they all do, but that's what makes Boston a great city, is the diversity of opinion, and we respect that. Um, so it sounds like your relationship with Seaport Lofts is at a better place now from your vantage point than it was when they were hiring attorneys. I think it's a much better place. I think we've uh, agreed to agree. Uh, we're going through uh, some of the nuances of an agreement, of a mitigation agreement. Uh, I'll leave that to our financial uh, CFO. And, um, but I, I feel good and positive that, uh, that we're going to reach an agreement with them I got a flashback, just briefly, and then we'll move on to other topics, to this community involvement or engagement question. And I do dwell on this in part because, as you know, mm -hmm. there was a lot of discussion about whether there was enough community involvement back when the Boston 2024 discussion was going on. I know you've said these are two radically different events, and I take that point. I'm happy to have you accentuate those differences. But just so I'm totally clear on this, <coughs> when you were listening to neighbors in the weeks before you, you made the deal with City Hall. 
who were some of the people you were talking with? Were these neighborhood associations, church groups, uh, you know, randomly compiled groups of people who, uh, who were brought in to do sort of focus groups? Who, who were you talking with? Well, we had invitations to talk to a number of the uh, South Boston Waterfront uh, uh, merchant associations. Uh, we've talked to neighborhood associations, uh, condo associations, trustees. This, this is all before the deal was made? Some of them were before. Uh, what we've done, uh, I'm sure that, uh, that we felt comfortable enough to move forward, uh, that we would be able to answer a lot of their questions. I think we've done that, uh, or we've attempted to do that. I'm sure that there are more questions that will arise as we move down the process. Since I, oh, go ahead. One of, the, one of the things that we're going to do is we'll institute now a monthly invitational meeting to uh, neighbors, uh, folks from both the commercial and residential neighborhoods that want to, or, or areas that want to come in and talk to us and offer suggestions. Uh, we will listen, and we will try to come up with something that uh, a lot of people don't listen. Um, I will tell you there's probably a little, uh, well, not a little, but a lot of the Olympic hangover. And uh, because of that, uh, people probably took more of a little bit of a jaundice eye towards any major event coming to the city, uh, which is okay with us because uh, uh, we agree with the mayor's office that so we want to get these uh, uh, agency agreements done quickly and, uh, and correctly. More importantly, I want to ask about the agency agreements in just a second. But mm -hmm. when it comes to those monthly meetings, when are you going to start those? By the way, uh, we're hoping this month, at the end of the month. And where will, where will that be? Well, it'd either be here at the Western or if, uh, another location. But we'd it'd be here on the South Boston waterfront. My sense is that one of the reasons that some people bristled at the Olympic community engagement process was because a decision had been made that we were going to bid on the games, and then the community involvement occurred after the fact. So mm -hmm. even if people were going to come in and say, we don't want the Olympics over our dead bodies, we'll have the Olympics here in Boston, we were still going to go ahead with the bid. Uh, if anyone happens to see this interview or hear this interview and think to themselves, well, that's great they're having community engagement, but it's already a done deal, and they've got the race course planned out, so you know, what's the point of me voicing my concerns, what would you say to that hypothetical person? Well, I would tell them that, uh, do we have a route planned? Yes, we do. Uh, it takes quite a bit of, uh, of thought, of a thought process to, to construct a, a competitive and, uh, well, let's say, a non-invasive uh, as much as you possibly can. I mean, uh, like I said before, if I sat here and told you there'd be no impact, uh, that's not the truth. Right. What we want to do is, uh, speak to those people and tell them this is how we can mitigate your concern. Uh, even if the course is, is done, we can explain to you what the options are, what the reasonable solutions to your concerns are. So I think there'll be very valuable meetings, and as we get closer to the event, we'll probably move those to every two weeks. So the Walsh administration wants you by this Friday, I believe, to have agreements hammered out with Massport, with the Commonwealth, with the Massachusetts Convention Center Authority. Am I forgetting any entities there? Uh, are, are you going to... Republic of Korea. <laughs> are you going to meet that, that deadline that the mayor's office, or I should say the city hall, has asked you to meet? How close are you? Well, I think we've had really substantial and productive meetings over the last week, week and a half, so we're optimistic about it. What are the outstanding issues that still need to be resolved? For example, Massport. What do you still need to come to an agreement on with Massport? I think the number one concern 
uh, is mitigation of traffic and access uh, for people that need to get to the airport, need to get uh, from the cruise ships uh, that come in. One of the misconceptions also I'd like to point out is Seaport Boulevard will stay wide open, right. as, will, yeah. as will Summer Street. So it's not like we're shutting down the South Boston waterfront. Yeah, we're, you know, one of the things that we'll do is uh, we're going to create shuttles um, from remote parking to bring people into the event from different, uh, the South Shore and the North Shore, uh, all of that. And we've, I think we've come up with some pretty good solutions. So are we going to be hearing on Friday afternoon in a triumphal press release sent out by you or sent out by the city <laughs> or, or sent out by other parties that, uh, that agreements have been reached with these these entities that City Hall really wants you to reach agreements with? Is this imminent? Well, Im imminent's a good word. Uh, done deal, I'm not sure. Uh, but I can tell you that I'm sure that uh, City Hall will be very pleased, as will the agencies with the, with the uh, um, progress that we've made on all fronts. So I think uh, we're pointing towards uh, uh, some very positive feedback, uh, and I think they'll be pleased. Let's get back to the question of taxpayer liability or the lack of taxpayer liability. Mm -hmm. In that original agreement that you made with the city, the city was going to be responsible for improvements or alterations to city roads mm -hmm. that would make the race happen. Is that correct? That was correct. Okay. And my understanding is this new contract that you're developing, which isn't finalized yet, right? Well, in principle it is. In principle it is. Yes, okay, yes. that the new contract says that Grand Prix Boston will fund those improvements, not the city. Am I right about that? That's correct. Okay. We're, uh, we have removed any of the uh, liability uh, for modifications from the city. Uh, we've taken all that uh, onto ourselves. And uh, you know, we appreciate the participation and the support of the city. Uh, but we felt that uh, if we're going to make a statement that there will be uh, no, this is a privately funded event, and we are not asking the taxpayers for any uh, any participation or any protection from cost overruns, all uh, some of the events that we've seen in the past. Uh, uh, so there's no risk whatsoever to the to the taxpayers. My understanding had been initially that some of these road improvement projects might have already been in the works, and that there was going to be an attempt to maybe leverage those plans so that the improvements could be made without the city incurring an extra cost. So just so I'm clear on this. Is it conceivable that you guys will now be paying for some improvement to roads that, uh, that if you weren't offering to pay for them, the city might be paying for? Well, out of its coffers. In in other events, in other markets, uh, that's happened, where they've uh, had in the budget, uh, maybe some repaving, that might have been scheduled in the queue for two or three years away, and what and they had done. Up, yeah, right? exactly. They accelerate that process. We're not asking the city to do that. We will assume 100% of the liability. If they want to pitch in, great, but we're not expecting or asking for a dime okay. for this. I think the one item I'm still a little confused about, okay. is the city still responsible for the safety of all attendees? We are. You are? I think uh, we are uh, with security. Uh, we will ask uh, our, our uh, security liaison will engage city, state, and federal uh, law enforcement agencies. Uh, they will, we will work with them. Uh, we will be responsible for all the costs of uh, any of the law enforcement that needs to augment the private security firm that we will hire. So uh, I think the city, uh, being the city of Boston and uh, 
with given the history of, of things that have happened at events, is very, very sensitive to the protection of our spectators here. Um, and we will work with them closely to uh, try to uh, mitigate any of their uh, concerns. I actually hesitate to bring this up because it involves positing a, a worst case scenario. Mm -hmm. If there was an accident involving the race itself that caused any damage or uh, uh, physical harm to bystanders, might the city in any way be responsible for that? No, not at all. We will indemnify the city and the state of any liability. We'll carry a substantial liability policy and uh, we'll actually indemnify some of the buildings on the course. We've agreed to do that on riders. Um, it would be, I can't imagine uh, a scenario that a bystander would be or uh, 10 feet, 12 feet away with two barriers. Uh, it would have to be uh, something way out of the norm. But no, the, the answer is no. We will totally indemnify the city and the state. Just a couple more questions. Mm -hmm. um, you've been talking about the people who are going to want to come to this, about the things that are going to draw them to the event, in addition to the race itself. I know that uh, my old co-worker at the Boston Phoenix, David Bernstein, wrote a piece for Boston Magazine questioning some of your projections. The numbers he took issue with were 250,000 people coming over three days and 75 to $80 million of direct and indirect revenue being generated. Are you still comfortable with those numbers? I would tell you that uh, our wish was for 250,000 people. Our expectations are somewhere between 150 to 200. Uh, this is a very special market and a very, very special event. And we have the greatest sports fans in the world here. Uh, I think just from a, a support uh, part of, uh, of supporting another professional sport uh, and curiosity, I think about 30% of our our crowd will be motorsport fans, and then 70% will come for the entertainment factor as well. And maybe we'll get lucky and turn them into a motorsport fan. So. All right, Mark Peroni, CEO of Grand Prix Boston, thanks for taking the time to talk with us. Adam, thank you so much for the opportunity to tell our story about the, uh, the Grand Prix of Boston uh, presented by Lugnian on uh, next Labor Day weekend, 2016. Maybe you can drive my car. That is going to do it for this week's episode of The Scrum. And as always, if you're enjoying this podcast operation, you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Or if you want to drop us a line, you can do it at scrum at wgbh.org. Our producer is Amanda McGowan. I'm Adam Riley, and The Scrum is a production of WGBH News. Well, I found a driver and that's a start. Maybe you can drive my